Top Gun 2, the second mission. You earned your wings in Top Gun. Now let's see if you can keep them. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. And I'm Joe. And turns out, people didn't need to wait 25 years for a sequel to Top Gun. It was right here on the NES. Yeah, I'm pretty surprised by this. Uh, I mean, I guess you probably told us there'd be another game soon, but I, I didn't expect it to happen so soon. Well, how, I feel like Top Gun 1 was actually quite a while ago, wasn't it? The Whoa. game? Yeah. Yeah. Like, in our years or their years? <laughs> in our years. Yeah, yeah. In our years, yes, it was also a while ago. I, guess, I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, you know, there, there was no Top Gun 2 in 1990, but we got a Top Gun 2 as a video game, you know what I'm saying? True. Yeah, I think both yeah. of you are making a solid point here, but Joe Joe is saying that we recorded Top Gun a while ago, which would be true. We recorded it back in uh, September of 2019, whereas Yikes. it is now, yeah, it is now March of 2023, but the actual time between the games is uh, three years, November of 87 to uh, February of 1990, so not even a three full years, really, uh, so just to, that, that, that puts things in perspective. But granted, Top Gun fans are at least eating somewhere because they weren't eating in the movie theaters. Because as I mentioned, Top Gun Maverick, which uh, came out last year uh, on our timeline, uh, did not did not come out with this game. This game is not based on Top Gun Two. It's not like they uh, they were like, "Oh, we have a great script, uh, but we can't make it a movie, so let's make it a video game." Uh, this is really just Top Gun One, the NES game, with some additional features. Anybody want to argue about that? I, I, yeah, I'm going to come out on the side that this is a premature adaptation of Top Gun Maverick. I haven't seen either movie, just as a note. I, I, so I finally saw Top Gun 1, and I'm curious if you guys saw Top Gun 2, if there's any parallels between this and Top Gun 2 that wouldn't have been found in Top Gun 1. Well, you know, there are... Well, no, you see, yeah, your little thing that you threw in at the end there uh, is, is the thing, yeah, that, that little stipulation. I was going to say that... The one thing that's consistent in the Top Gun universe, whether it be the games or the movies, because this is also true in Maverick, is that the enemy is never given a name or a country, and that is also true here. I think it's amazing yeah. that uh, a, a movie can have a villain that like we never get to even know. They're really just enemy aircrafts. But I mean, at least in this game, like the names of the enemies will give you the idea that it's the Soviet Union. What would give you really that idea? They... Would it be that the names is some of the names are like Stalin? Well, that's the <laughs> what I was going to say is that like are there similar like wink wink nudge nudges in the movies coming from someone? Obviously not Maverick because like the international movie industry will not allow such things. But like in in Top Gun One, did they give any illusion as to who it could be? I'll be honest, from when I saw it, I mean, I just saw it maybe about a, uh, like six months ago, and uh, I hated it so much that I really don't remember. <laughs> I really thought it was a really bad movie. <laughs> My girlfriend's been trying to get me to watch the second one. I know I'll probably like it because everyone has told me it's really, really good. I'm just so reluctant 
because I was like, even for like '80s camp movies, I was just like, even with like, even if I had nostalgia for this, I feel like I couldn't be like, wow, what a good movie. I don't want to turn this into a movie review podcast, <laughs> but Joe, I feel like just based off of what you didn't like about Top Gun one, the things you're talking about, you won't like Top Gun two. This was really? this was a movie that was made to get people to go back to the movies. So the only thing that's like really amazing about it are all the practical uh, stunts and, and things well, that Well, that's they... probably what he'll like, not the camp and the volleyball scene. Oh, they replaced the yeah, volleyball right. scene with a different beach scene. <laughs> hate, hate is a strong word. I was just like, I'm not invested in this story. It, just, it was just, it felt like a mess, you know? Like, anyway. Well, I liked the first game. Yes, Sean uh, was uh, kind enough to put it on and the Essential Games list as the sole voter. Yeah, yeah, I was into it. I think I was, you know, colored by just, you know, kind of unimpressive stuff up until then. You know, my my NES brain has matured since. I probably wouldn't make the same vote today. Uh, that opinion might change in a couple weeks where I'll say, like, no, Top Gun is still essential. But right now, I'd say it was just happiness that there was, like, oh, it's trying something different, a first-person flight sim and it's actually pretty fun. I still stand by that it was still pretty fun. This seems to have more going on. Uh, I don't know what uh, what you guys think. Well, I didn't want to get too too far off uh, the initial question here, though, Sean, because you you stood by the idea that Top Gun back then, at least, was an essential game. When you booted up this one, because it is close and and mostly just uh, you know graphical and uh, some additional missiles and other. Uh, you know, making things easier, did you uh, get the same impression? Not to give away your vote here or anything, but did you have an amazing initial impression all over again of like, oh, you know, this this has a lot going for it? I, I'd say that um, the what we've seen since, uh, things have impressed me more since Top Gun that makes Top Gun less impressive. I think a lot of what colored my... Uh, my view of the first Top Gun game was just how like technically impressive it was while still being enjoyable to play. Uh, I, I think that some games have done it better since, and I'll reserve my uh, my specific opinions on this one until later in the show, I suppose. Uh, I'll say this. For some reason, every time I play a game like this, like in this kind of first-person aircraft shooter type thing on the NES, I, I have like a weird brain fart where I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe the NES is capable of it, of this, even though this is like the, this is like the sixth game we've played like this. And every time I have the same reaction. So once that wears off, that's when I can, I can get into like, okay, what does this bring to the table? Actually, now that I'm like done with the shock and like amazement that the NES is doing this. The game has an adventure mode where you have to um, take off on the runway dogfight your way through a couple of enemy uh, aircrafts, and then once you've completed the dogfighting section, there's like a boss at the end followed by a landing mission. The landing mission in the first episode was one of the most famous things that we've covered on Nostalgia. Not even on purpose. I don't even think we knew that we were making a big deal about it at the time, but it seems that not a lot of people knew how that landing sequence worked, and it became kind of a thing that people have even given us positive reviews just because we <laughs> opened their mind to how landing works in Top Gun. So appreciate everybody for that. That same experience is here with the addition of 
just the ability to, whether with a computer or with another player, do the dogfighting uh, section as well, where you can try to take down a bunch of uh, computer aircrafts or take down a second player. Those are the modes, but rather than break down those modes or talk about, um, you know, how, what they what they changed on a, uh, a case-by-case thing, what are, like, what's the big takeaway? What's, like, the big thing they changed in this game for you guys that made Top Gun 2 not just paid DLC? I, I'd say that I think that the, the thing that reads to me as the biggest point, which is probably really not actually a major thing, but is... Is, is really just adjustments to, like, the environment you see and the amount of, like, tilt you're allowed to do on the plane that makes this game feel so much faster to me than the first game. I did boot back up the first game again, and this game feels, like, a lot more, like, high-octane, like, exciting uh, because it, it just feels faster. And I can't even say that I know that it actually is faster, but something about this game just felt more exciting now. Like, it felt like they really turned up, turned it up to 11. Well, I, I think part of that is just sort of the the visual design here, where instead of this sort of blank ground or water that you're flying above, you have, like, a Sonic-style, like, checkerboard below mm-hmm. you that they're flashing between, and that kind of gives that bigger, uh, that, that bigger feel of speed or movement, um, where... Yeah, it it just didn't have that in the first one. Yeah, and I think I, I also think in the first one, I don't think you were able to uh, like flip fully around, right? So like, I feel like just that com- like th- that what you're talking about also combined with the fact that it really tilts on the screen, so you feel upside down, you feel like you're really tilting, you feel like you're really moving, uh, kind of did it for me. The graphics in general have obviously improved. I went back to the first game, and that one had more of a... I don't even know if this makes sense, because they're both 8-bit graphics, obviously, but it had more of an early computer look to it, where things were a little more, like... Um, you know, they were a little more choppy around the around the, uh, inter, uh, the the console and the way that they decided to convey that information, whereas this one, everything's like a little more smoothed out, and the cockpit feels like something you yeah. actually live in. It's definitely sleeker design. Uh, it, it's even got like those flourishes that make it look like a piece of equipment. Aside from like just the, I mean, I think the first one did it too, but it, it there was more. It, it's much more aesthetically pleasing this time, at least the console and uh, that combined with the environmental movement effects, sort of at first glance, give this a a much more simulation feel. Um, I will get into where I think this uh, goes wrong, but uh, if you have more to say, Mike. The only thing I was going to say was that it's just another game where nearly everything in the cockpit is of use, even if you even if you don't know it. Like You might not even take the time to learn all these things, but uh, the, the thing I'm thinking of is those four uh, vertical lights near where your radar is uh, in the center of the screen. Those lights just go off, and if you you know it doesn't say like exactly what it is, you have to refer to the manual for it. But for example, like if the third light from the top, which is like a sec- second light from the bottom, uh, goes off, then that's how you know that you have missile lock on the enemy, and that you know when you fire a missile, it will target that enemy. It's like they didn't need to put that because they're not even giving the information, right? Like it's something you have to kind of remember. But because all of the stuff in the cockpit is like actively working and 
you you know you're having a hard enough time you're going so fast you're seeing so much on the screen just in your uh in your viewfinder to then look at the console and see all this other stuff going on it just makes it's it, it sells it much better it's much more convincing that uh that you're in this aircraft even if it is in two dimensions yeah one one on another another note on that is it will also sort of try and sell that immersion by making these these lights and and alerts mean something um, by adding things that it doesn't need an alert for. There is a a light at the bottom that will flash that indicates that you're doing a barrel roll. Now, the other way that you can figure out that you're doing a barrel roll <laughs> is by watching you do the barrel roll. So I think that some of it's there just for that, like, look, we did this thing, and it, it's reactive. And no, it's not. It, you, you just made a problem for the solution i don't know i'm just rambling right now <laughs> i mean i guess I mean. it's possible if you're tilted up high enough that you can't see the ground and you're just in like i mean i don't know is there always something on screen you can see spinning no you can look up and there won't be anything <laughs> yeah yeah okay so i mean i guess there's like a rare occurrence where you would need that but i don't know <laughs> it maybe maybe it was a it's a nice quality of life yeah, addition. You get to choose your missiles uh, for for the aircraft, and the really the only difference is the number of missiles you get and like their range. So uh, with the Phoenix, you get twenty missiles, but the range is great, and then so on and so forth. It just decreases, right? So you get the Sparrow has now forty missiles, but it's only two thirds the size of the Phoenix, and the Sidewinder. Uh, Sidewinder or sidewinder? Sidewinder. Yeah, so I would say winder. It's it's interesting because I never I never went to school, so I wouldn't after. know how to say that. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, named after a snake. Yeah, the point I was trying to make is that the whole like there's two consonants between the I and the E, so I wasn't sure if the I would be long, but um, here we are. We're having this conversation That's live on the air. We should do an alphabet. We should do an alphabet podcast one day. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and that you know you get the idea. It's just like is that enough? Should the missiles have provided? more features or does, should they should they even bother like should it just be like the phoenix is the one to go to like yeah you well, only get 20 but at least you know you're getting good coverage yeah the the thing i want to clarify here is that it's sort of it's a wider reticle so they it will lock on in a wider field of view not so much range like th- there are different like uh sprites for a, a plane being far away and up close this has nothing to do with that. It's just what lands. Sorry, what uh, square footage of the screen are you able to lock on to an opponent? So I think what this is really doing is just it's just another difficulty modifier, and the missile doesn't really have any extra or worse capabilities. But it is giving you more of the missile, so at least in that case, you can. If you you know if you if you think you're within range but you're not you can fire the missile and then find out like oh it didn't it didn't lock on but now at yeah. least I have another twenty that I had yeah I actually went for that every time I, I guess I didn't really test out the other the other missiles because I was just like you know what I, I'll take my chance on missing and get you know forty more than the than the lower one forty more chances I always just went with the middle one because I just figure you know that's probably the default. And yeah, honestly, experience. probably the the probably the low one is probably best because I never went through twenty missiles. And so, 
did they change anything about the way that the dogfights go down? The the way that you have the aircrafts, uh, the enemy aircrafts around you, did, the way that the information between the horizon split and the land and sky, like, did any of that change enough, or is this is this this game, but now with some nicer graphics and uh, missile options? Well, that's that's one of the things that I think playing this now as a you know it's a an upgraded version of the first one i think it is a different game but i it is it it has more qualities of a late mid to late nes game than the first one did i think playing this uh now gave me a uh, it opened my eyes to the the problems that the first one had that i just didn't see as problems because i was just so impressed and that is a problem with all of these NES games that will give you, like, a pseudo 3D experience. Um, and that is, like, you're moving, and there there is a, a correlation between where things are in quote-unquote space and where they are on your screen. But it just seems like sometimes, like, the the computer is cheating. Because... Uh, as an example, like you can kind of get an idea of where the enemies are by looking at your radar, and like the the mo the object of a dogfight is to try and get behind the plane that you're firing at, so it can't shoot at you, but you can shoot at it, and then you just you you did the thing, you 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 shot him down. But it seemed like no matter what kind of maneuvers I was doing that the opponent would always have like an edge like it's turning radius would be sharper the uh it would always do something to sort of move and counter to what i'm trying to do and that really is only possible when what is being shown to you is not real 3d space but like some pantomime of it uh which i think has kind of given me a just a negative uh, first impression on these 3D games now because knowing that they're not really simulating a coordinate space and just like giving you an idea of what's happening, uh, I always feel a little cheated. I don't know if I'm making sense, but I don't know how you guys feel about that. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me. Granted, I, I didn't really notice it until like a little, until like a little further in the game. It wasn't like an initial thing. For me, but definitely like second or third mission when you get into those one-on-one dogfights, there were times where the guy is behind me and I am just turning and turning and turning and he is just locked behind me. Like I can see him like maybe swaying back and forth, but like I have almost no control, it feels like, of where I am relative to him. Like you can't shake him. You you can try and yeah. like, oh, okay, he thinks I'm going to continue to do this arc. I will do a barrel roll and then go up instead of to the left or right. Like all these little things to try and shake a pursuer don't seem to work or they work very infrequently. You ever try to just pull the brakes and let them just fly right by you? The brakes? No, you can't do that. I'm joking. I'm saying like, like just, <laughs> just stop. You, you can, you can yeah. stop all forward momentum and just let them blow right back. I thought you were like, I thought you were actually serious. And there no, was a no, button. no, <laughs> no. But that is something you can do in Star Fox 64. So maybe you know that's a kudos for Star Fox 64. They have brakes. Well, technology was more advanced by then. And actually, that game takes place uh, in the past. Oh, well then. They 
they improved some other things though in this game. Rather, you know, if the dogfighting uh, graphical improvements weren't enough for you, there those boss fights weren't in the first game. Uh, it's a little strange. I don't really think they're boss fights, but they kind they kind of are, right? Like they they bleed that line between that end of level shmup boss fight where now all of a sudden the big ship comes out and it's always directly in front of you and you just have to shoot it more times than it shoots you and then you win. But it's also still in the it's in the 3D space and still under the same controls and everything. So it's really just a more powerful uh, enemy aircraft that you're going up against, right? I don't know. Do you do you think it's in the 3D space? I, I feel like as soon as that that boss aircraft shows up, you are locked. And it's yeah. Just, yeah, you're sitting there and it's in front of you. It's kind of like when you switch between uh, the sort of freeform areas and then go into these boss fights, it's definitely a separate instance. Like, I don't think, I didn't try this, but the fact that there was a, like, a cut, and then you're moved back into, the like, the boss fight, it felt like, now this is, this is running on slightly different scripting. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, you definitely can't, like, turn around and face the opposite right, direction right. of the boss. And, and, I, and I, I know that, too. I guess what I was saying is that it's still in the same view. Like, it's, it's not like uh, the boss fight changes the way that the gameplay is handled. Right, right. You're still on the same screen. You're still, you, you know, you still have the same weapons available to you. It's yeah, it, a, but it, it's sort of kind of like in an action game that it's like in... Resident Evil 2 Remake, where it's sort of the same controls to move around, but when you uh, end up fighting the giant crocodile, it turns into, like, you just running towards the camera. It, it's it's turning into a set piece, where the controls that you're used to don't one-to-one correlate, but they still kind of do. I, I, right, I'm no, no, rambling. that makes sense, but would you would you prefer to instead have, like, say it's the helicopter boss fight, would you have rather that not been in a locked position and instead you have to hunt them down and they are hunting you down or hunter becomes hunted kind of situation. I mean, it, it, it's kind of, I guess it's hard to do when you think about a helicopter and like a, a, a jet, a fighter jet and how you would, how you would mm. actually make that work within the same systems. But I think when you have bosses that work within the same systems, it becomes more of a simulator and less of like an arcade experience. And I guess I just don't know which one it wants to be here. Yeah, I mean, I'll say I think that the um, the dog fights in some cases later in the game felt more like boss battles that belong yes. in this game than the boss battles did. Especially because, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I mean, there's three boss battles in this game. There's three major missions. The first one, eh, it's a decent little challenge. You take out all the engines, you take out the wings, then you got to shoot down the plane. It takes a minute. The second one, you shoot it like four times. The whole thing blows up. <laughs> and the third one, you got to take out. It's like it's like they get progressively easier. Or like the first one's hard. Second one is really, really easy. And the third one is like in between. Well, I don't know. Very it, weird. I don't know if NASA ever advised to shoot a, down a space shuttle. You know, I imagine it would be pretty easy <laughs> to take that thing down. Yeah, but I'm talking for gameplay. Right, no, no, of course. A gameplay course. standpoint. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's funny just that it got, it got that extreme, but uh, I don't know. It just felt like they did. They put all of their design thought into the first one, and then they were like, oh, we don't have time. We got to get this out, so let's just put two more boss battles in. I do have a quick uh, a little aside about the, the Star Wars space plane. <laughs> yeah, go for it. So apparently there was very briefly in the late 80s 
a competitor to NASA's space shuttle. They call it the Buren. Um, and it was basically just a ripoff of the space shuttle's design. Uh, and it never did a manned flight. It went into space for a few hours once without anybody in it. And then it was retired. And then the Soviet Union fell. Uh, so I just think it's funny because I thought that like, oh, why are they just putting the space shuttle as an enemy? Uh, and I didn't know until I played this game and looked up stuff about it that that was a real thing. They also improved the landing sequence, or so I'm told. The only thing I could know, I could really tell about it is that it's it's much shorter. So if you fail, you fail faster. But I guess you could argue that the information of what they what what you need to do to land is given to you more clearly than in Top Gun One. Uh, uh-huh. Granted, it's still the same information. You still have to make sure you match the speed and the altitude. It's just that in Top Gun One, it was just text being displayed, whereas in Top Gun Two, there's a um, you know, uh, it it it's yeah. all on one. It's all conveyed on one screen, telling you up, down, speed, two eighty eight. Like yeah, your target speed. Right. Yeah. So this um, is basically taking a boss battle and turning it into a quick time event. Um, it, in the first one, you kind of had to get a feel for landing, and I'm not saying that that's a good thing. Like it, it's a pretty routine thing that they made unnecessarily hard and it took us a while to get a the gist of it but now it's just like you follow the instructions on the screen and it it, it feels like you're not landing you're just saying uh-huh yeah down yeah uh yeah slow you're just doing what it says to do so it feels like you aren't really learning anything you're just you're just copying like my biggest takeaway from it is that it's just this it's pretty much the same thing it's just a lot more broad, a lot less touchy. You know, you don't have to be as exact. It's just like up, down. You know, I, I did replay a landing sequence from the original. And, and yeah, I mean, this isn't, uh, I don't think this is in any way, I think this is, if anything, supporting your argument, Sean. But um, but I played the first one and it was a lot more like up, left, right, down. Like I was like every second I had to be pressing a button to like to, to really stay lined up that whole time. Whereas this, it was just kind of like, I felt more like I was just kind of like in the background sort of managing the plane rather than flying it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. I was also surprised at just how, li- you know, maybe that's what you guys are saying, but like how little you have to tweak things uh, to the point where even they were saying that you have to like straighten out with the uh, with the carrier to land on it. 
I felt like even that was kind of forgiving. It's not like you need to be head on with the runway to, to land. You just have to make sure you're lined up with the carrier at all. But the, the speed also isn't like dramatically different than what you start the landing sequence at. I think you started around like 320 and you have to get down to 288. It's like, okay, so, you know, just slow, you know, point the um, aircraft up to slow down a little bit and then bring it down to get the altitude right. It didn't, it didn't feel like it was asking a lot of the player. And I, I don't know if this is what you meant to say, Sean, but yeah, this was the boss fight in the first game was the, the landing sequence. And now they've replaced that with this on rails boss fight where it shoots at you and you shoot at it. And you just kind of hope that you take it down before it takes you down. I guess my point was more so like if you're, if you're going to dumb down something that was probably complained about, that being the landing sequences, you're just going to dumb it down to just like uh, follow the instructions on the screen, then maybe just remove it. Because right now it's, it's kind of dumb. But yeah, See, the, the it new didn't boss bother is... me as much though. Like now that you mention it, you're right. It's like not. It is. It is pretty dumbed down. Obviously, I wasn't a huge fan of that first version either, where it was like really difficult to to get on there. But it's just now as is. If I wasn't thinking about the existence of the first game, to me, this would just be like, oh, it's a fun little immersion exercise. I, I would like it to be a little have a little more challenge, but I would rather have this in than not have it in. Yeah, like the third the third mission should have had like an engine failure on top of it, so it makes yeah, the landing yeah. even harder to do. And then the other modes in the game, the uh one versus computer or uh two player dogfighting, I'm just gonna say it, like the two player dogfighting, I am very impressed that they're able to basically take the entire screen information of the one player screen and then just split it down the middle. Yes, it also makes it a little like everything's so much more impossibly small, so it is a little harder to uh, see and yes the information for both you and your opponent are on the screen at the same time so it's very easy to screen look if that's a thing you even consider <laughs> doing like it's it's not really going to help you in this game but I feel like it'd be hard to like interpret what you're looking at that right quickly, right though. and the radars the radars still exist but like were you guys weren't you guys like surprised to see that they fit everything that there was no compromises I mean there's some compromises in performance too I think like the frame rate kind of takes a dip um, but I mean, everything functionally is still there. So yeah, I was impressed. I didn't play it, but I did watch it be played. I did neither. So yes, I was, I'm impressed in my imagination of how I imagine <laughs> this game. I'm trying to find a video. Where did you even find a video of this? You can find a video of it. Just type in Top Gun Second Mission 2 player. That's what I'm on. Oh, that's interesting. Nope. Yep. Uh. Here we go. Don't type in uh, official soundtrack. That that will only give you music. Yeah. It's just that's all I'm getting. But now I found one. I'm only teasing. Uh, no, but really, that is all I was getting was like, not even soundtrack. It was like the win screen and the lose screen. <laughs> <laughs> like, why do I care? About well, those would be the sounds you would hear. Those would be the sounds you would yeah. hear in the two-player mode. Also, we've been lumping together the one versus com and the two-player, but they are different modes. It's not like the one versus com also does a split screen where like you see the computers and where they are and stuff like that. It's just that you're facing off waves of computer uh, enemy aircrafts without the whole uh, takeoff and landing and, um, and boss fights. Instead, it's just waves of computer enemies that just get harder and harder. You do still land, but um, at least in the, like, the, one, the one player versus, it, it kind of gives you like a bracket. Like you're going up against... 
uh, harder and harder opponents, and it's always a dogfight. There's no other, like, just mobs to mop up. Um, and I kind of like this version of the game better, where it, I mean, it is harder, and it's where a lot of, like, where I thought the game was cheating kind of came into play, but um, I at least like the format better in, in this sort of uh, secondary mode. Yeah, everyone knows that all the college Air Forces do like a March Madness style dogfighting <laughs> yeah. competition. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who wouldn't? Um, one thing, though, going back to that initial mode that I think we uh, I didn't want to gloss over is that in both the second and third mission, there's like a there is like a different mode of play that pops up where in the second mission you you go near the ground because you got to take out some tanks and there's this whole section where you have to dodge trees. <laughs> and these trees they come up pretty quickly on you so it does take like some good reflexes to like decide like okay this tree is going to hit me i have to turn left oh now there's a tree over here i gotta turn right to get between them like it, it is a little tough to find but in the third mission where you're dodging bolts of lightning and later lasers from the spacecraft i guess some of that i mean that is like a real test of twitch reflexes where i feel like it's not even like for casual gamers anymore like you really have to be dead on granted i did learn that if i just constantly hit left right left right left right i usually luck my way through it but if i try to legitimately dodge those lightning bolts i mean it's possible but it is very i don't think i could do it uh without a lot of practice Uh, on that note how often did you start a mission and then within several seconds of taking off be greeted with a missile in your face and a game over that happened to me a lot at first until I realized that <laughs> my strategy to that is not even to barrel roll, but to like horizontally spin. Yeah. Whenever a missile's coming, I would just spin horizontally, it would go by me. So after a while, I was able to avoid that most of the time, but it was uh, at the expense of me ever being able to fly straight. <laughs> okay. On the sequels and spinoff side, I think last Top Gun episode, we covered a bunch of these. I just wanted to highlight some of the uh, other Nintendo entries that we won't get to, but, um, or maybe we will if, you know, if people demand it enough. Uh, Top Gun Guts and Glory. Uh, that, that sounded strange. Should, should Guts and Glory. I guess it's fine. Um, <laughs> Game Boy game that attempts to do the whole flight simulation thing that the NES games are doing. It's a pretty crazy task, and you'll see from like if you if you just look up uh, Top Gun Guts and Glory, the the it, it's it's almost funny what the aircrafts look like uh, from a distance, and they the fact that they also decide to include like now it's just a a vertical line that is the horizontal for you. There's no uh, there's not even any sense of land. It's just the green is the land and the white is the sky. But just incredible that they were even able to include something that looked like a cockpit, some a score, and try to convey 3D space inside a Game Boy game. Yeah, it almost looks closer to um, your radar screen. <laughs> like It's like if the whole game was the radar right, screen. Right, right. <laughs> I don't have a visual in front of me, but I like what I'm hearing. The <laughs> aircraft looks like a little heartbeat. Oh. You know, like a, a boom-boom. It's just, it just oh, looks a like a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like heartbeat. I thought you said a harpy. No, that'd be Which cute would, too, though. Yeah, like a like it's a the Top Gun is now like an antiquity mythological thing. <laughs> but Top Gun wouldn't always just be uh 3D dogfighting flight simulators. It would eventually move on to Top Gun Firestorm, 
which is an isometric flight combat game for first the Game Boy Color and then eventually the Game Boy Advance. Not what I was expecting, but also just kind of crazy that Top Gun, a movie from 1987 with no planned sequels at this point, could still be getting video games in 2001. <laughs> like just that the brand was strong enough. That would be like, I don't know, did they release a Rocky game in 2001? They probably did. Well, you know what? I mean, I guess it's different because there's still this like universe going on. But you know, like Lord of the Rings came out in 2001 and they're still making like Gollum games and stuff. Yeah, but that's a bigger franchise, right? I don't think we're putting yeah, them on yeah, the same. Yeah, you still got that's Hobbit true. stuff coming out. Right. I, I mean, I I don't think it's unprecedented. I, uh, I, I'm pretty sure that these posthumous, <laughs> I use posthumous, I guess, semi-jokingly, but franchises aren't really out of nowhere. Like, there was that 2008, like, Ghostbusters game or something. Maybe it was 2008. Before any of these Ghostbuster remakes were planned or shot or anything. Like, I, I'm thinking it's it's not out of the... It's not crazy. There was a Rocky video game in 2002 and then a follow-up sequel in 2004 called Rocky Legends. And hell, there was a Warriors game. And there's, there hasn't been a Warriors since the Warriors. Yeah, so. we need Rockstar to go back to making stuff like that. Make the Warriors again. You know what we're going to do again? Play the Warriors? Nope. Same thing we do every week, Sean. The Essential Games <laughs> List. I think Top Gun 2 is a reasonable improvement over Top Gun 1 if you just play them back to back. I'm surprised at how like short the game theoretically is. I think it's, you know, it is a tough game. I didn't get to the final mission. It is a tough game. Uh, to beat or whatever, but the actual experience is kind of what it, what you make of it. It's it's how much how much you want to play Top Gun is how is what you'll get out of it is what I'm trying to say. And it's not that uh, I didn't have a good time or that I haven't uh, you know like well what's a better 3D flight s- simulator game on the NES? That's not really the issue at hand. I think the issue for me with Top Gun Two, the second mission, so they could have taken a lot more risks than what they did. It feel it does feel weird. And we got mostly the first game with some improved graphics and a two-player mode. There are other differences, but I think they could have really expanded that whole adventure mode. They're the ones calling it adventure mode, not me. I think they really could have expanded that to feel more like an adventure and tell the next tale in Maverick's journey than what we got in this game. So I feel like this would have been, for me, back in that day, if I would have picked up Top Gun 2, it would have been like picking up Super Mario Brothers 2 Japan and being like, oh, it's just the first game, but now you made it crazy hard. In this one, it's almost like, oh, it's just the first game, but now you made it a little bit easier. Uh, So, no, it's not on the essential games list for me, but that doesn't mean it's a bad game. Sean? Yeah, I I agree that this is an improvement over the first one, and I've already gone over how, like, my... Uh, my reaction to this game is colored mostly by like the interstitial period between playing Top Gun 1 and Top Gun 2. I wasn't quite as hot on this game as I was the first one. Uh, But I think what that's taught me is I think that a game like this, at least on the NES, cannot really be essential just because everything it's trying to do has been like uh, iterated upon to such an extent that like Top Gun 2... Sorry, Top Gun, the second mission is it, it's just going to kind of blur into every other game that we played. I think I'm not going to remember this game. And if I can already or if I can already tell you that as we're recording the episode, it's not essential. 
Joe. I definitely really enjoyed my time with this game. Uh, I think, though, when I really consider it, a lot of what I'm enjoying about it is like the novelty of it on the NES. Um, it, it is fast and fun in that way, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with what both of you have said, and I think that like if you are playing NES games to to see what kind of cool things the NES could do, or like just to see like to see something that's impressive on the NES, this is a game to definitely play. And I think that uh, it's maybe even a play it for anyone, but essential. I I couldn't say that. I think that uh, it's it's very very short, and I, I I don't even know how to say it without echoing exactly what Sean said. I mean, I think I just agree that like it would it kind of will blur into like the the collection of other games that are doing a similar thing that get you know better over time. So I'm going to say not essential, but pretty cool. And then I'm going to drop something so we can edit that out. <laughs> or we can keep it in. We'll see how we Or we can keep it yep. in. Keep it in. Next week, uh, we are keeping the top games in mind with top players tennis. Uh, just a odd coincidence because obviously like the top. Not a coincidence. No, it, but it is because think about it. They would have to be released in the same month. To be back to back, so no, two- no, no. I'm not saying. I'm saying that it is not a coincidence. And it was actually a a conspiracy. Oh, well, that I agree with. Yeah, I mean, any tennis organization of any kind is really just a conspiracy. What are they really doing? Because they know. Come on, they're on national TV and no one's watching. Racket sports on ESPN? Are you kidding me? And no one's watching. What's the deal? Who even are Alfredo and Lazarus?